Blue Wire. The Detroit Pistons select Sekou Dubuya. The boy gets run off the line. Down the lane. My goodness. Look at that. Pistons come right back at him with a bruise. Oh, oh, oh. Jam. Dishes to Luke for the long gun. It goes. Hey y'all, uh, this is Laz Jackson. Welcome to Pistons vs. Everybody on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, it is 5.45 on February 12th. The Detroit Pistons have not played the Orlando Magic for their final game before the All-Star break as of yet. But you guys have been waiting patiently for a week about my thoughts about the Andre Drummond trade. So we're going to give that to you. And then we're going to go into some other stuff. The Pistons are now officially uh, post-Andre. They're in the post-Andre Drummond era. Uh, what is that era going to look like? I don't really know, but we're, we're going to talk about it some. Uh, so first things first, uh, I'm, I'm still kind of mopey about the Andre Drummond trade, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I was, if you were following me on Twitter, which you should be doing, at last chance, that's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E, you would know that uh, I was in an airport on my way to a vacation and was just uh, having trouble <laughs> processing. <laughs> the uh, The trade was Andre Drummond to the Cleveland Cavaliers for John Henson, Brandon Knight, and a future second round pick. Um, that is essentially a straight salary dump of Andre Drummond, one of the better players the Pistons have had on their team in the last decade. Um, it was an ignominious end to uh, Detroit to Andre's Detroit career, and I honestly, at the time, I felt he deserved better than that. You know, um, I also thought that there was a distinct possibility that they could have gotten more for a guy of Andre Stotcher. Um, you know, two-time All-Star, you know, still leading the league in rebounds, um, had somewhat definitely, like, regressed as a defender this year, which I think is, like, the most important thing from uh, when you're, like, looking at him from another team's perspective about whether or not you'd want an Andre Drummond. But honestly, like, there was not a lot of defensive talent around him this year. Um, he had shown last year that, like, when engaged, he had become maybe not elite, but, like, definitely, like, sub-elite as a defensive center. Um, he had finally displayed a comfort in the drop uh, the drop system that a lot of teams like to play. And so, like, yeah, I thought the Pistons could easily get a, a first-round pick for Andre Drummond. Maybe not a lottery pick, maybe not, like, a top-ten pick, definitely not, like, a top-five pick, um, but... You know the the fake trade the Atlanta Hawks had the uh, the protected Brooklyn pick this year, which was which is which is most likely going to convert and most li- most likely going to be in the uh, in like the 16, 17, 18 range. I thought that was a fair uh, capital draft capital return for Andre Drummond. You know Atlanta, of course, chose to use that book that pick to acquire uh, Clint Capella. A guy who I think is worse than Andre, but uh, one who is under contract for much cheaper and much longer than Andre Drummond is, and that's totally understandable. Uh, I also had some conversations with some people around the pit around the team, and it's been and like this has also been said publicly now at this point. Like at this point, like that was the literal best offer you could get for Andre Drummond, um, and the team decide in front office decided that they could not take the risk 
that Andre would opt into his player option and, and they would not be able to kick off the rebuild uh, as soon as they wanted to. You know, to me, that was a risk worth taking because, again, I believe that if all you can get for Andre Drummond is expirings and a second round pick, it made sense to me that if he opted into his contract this summer, you would be able to do much the same. You could find some expiring contracts. The, I know Charlotte has the expiring, will probably have the expiring contract of like a, a Nicholas Batum. There are other teams with a lot of dead salary uh, for and have been hoarding dead salary for the summer of 2021 when a lot of uh, very good NBA players will be free agents. Um, you know, as as it stands, uh, like if if you all you can get is a future second for Andre, like you, I felt you could do uh, that trade anytime. But the the front office clearly said, like, hey, no, like we we want to kick this rebuild off now. Um, you we want to do this immediately. You know, I'm I'm willing to be wrong about the uh, Pistons being able to recoup more value in the future. Um, but the the urgency with which they decided to un- to do this trade, you know, very surprised me, very much. Um, either way, you know, Dre's gone, and uh, I want to you know thank him for the memories. Um, you know, a lot of you guys may not like that'll be sarcastic for a lot of you guys, but like no, we had, we had some good times with Andre, and he should be thanked for that. Um, I will be keeping an eye on him for the rest of his uh, basketball career just to see like what what if what could have been but now you know we we move on we soldier on um losing so as i was on vacation i was unable to watch the games it's now wednesday i came back on i came back on monday i watched the new york game the charlotte game i did not watch the okc game um and what those two games were illustrative of to me was how much losing dre highlighted the other weaknesses the Pistons have on their team. Like, yes, uh, they did not rebound the ball against New York, and that is what killed them. Although they did a much better job against Charlotte, especially from like the guards. Um, but that was that was a lot aided by Charlotte's uh, smaller backcourt and smallish frontcourt, just not boxing out a lot of the time. Dudes like Langston Galloway, when like Langston Galloway is like sneaking in for offensive rebounds, like that's a systemic thing. But at the same time, like losing Dre highlighted to me, like what this team is missing, which is any ball handler with any size. We saw lineups with like Brandon Knight, Langston Galloway and Bruce Brown, like with with no with no Dre to uh, draw defenders attention as a role man. uh, You saw a lot of uh, teams play the pick and roll straight up, you know, don't switch, just go under and drop and you know cut off the drive cut off the roll man because there's no ball there's not an extreme like ball handling threat um no one's gonna like the pistons don't have a the kind of point guard who can uh attack you attack a drop scheme by like pulling call coming off a screen and pulling up from three um reggie jackson will do that on occasion and he was quite good against the knicks but um like that's not something they have that that's not like an angle they can usually use to to attack teams. Um, there's only one real role threat on this team in Christian Wood. Um, and so and he is we're going to talk a lot about him later. Um, and he's played really well in, in since being elevated. But, uh, you know, if you if you're not afraid of guards beating you off the dribble and from three uh, in the if you're not afraid of guards like coming off screens and beating you. And you're uh, so you're able to 
cut off Wood's drives to the rim or just play Wood to drive instead of to pop, um, it's very easy to defend this team, right? You do your DHOs, you do like a swing, swing, you swing out to the secondary uh, guy in the wing um, after the initial action, and all of a sudden, like it's Langston Galloway, and you need you need Langston Galloway to come off a screen and, and attack, and it's the same thing, right? They're cutting off the they're cutting off the roll, um, and so yeah, just without Dre uh, drawing attention, the defense's attention, the Pistons like no longer have anyone a team would care about guarding in any way, shape, or form. Christian Wood is the closest thing, which tells you kind of like how far we've gone. Um, you know, that that is why the Pistons scored less than 80 points against the Charlotte Hornets and just, like, generally looked like an awful, awful basketball team. Like, you knew you knew trading Dre would be bad, but you did not know that, like, it would be that bad, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but that does not mean, like, we can't soldier on and we have to see, you know, what these young guys have. We got to continue to give Bruce Brown minutes. We got to continue to give uh, Luke Kennard when he returns minutes. Um, and that actually leads us to something a little bit new. All right. It's time for our betonline.ag take of the week. Betonline.ag is your online sportsbooks expert. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for a 50% welcome bonus. Our take this week is that the Pistons need to buy out Reggie Jackson prior to the March 1st deadline. The March 1st deadline is when Reggie uh, will still be eligible to play in the playoffs for another team that could buy him out for whichever team would pick him up. Uh, you assume that there was uh, there was some mutual interest between uh, Reggie and the Clippers. The Clippers could use another ball handler. Um, if the Clippers are interested, I presume the Lakers would be interested. Both of those teams lost out on Darren Collison when he decided to stay retired. Uh, you know, there could be interest elsewhere. I believe, uh, you know, Philadelphia could still use some primary ball handlers, right? Like they, they just put uh, Al Horford in off coming off the bench to get more shooting and more playmaking in the starting lineup. And so Reggie, there's a, there's definitely a market there for Reggie's services. And from the Detroit side, like, again, I've said this before, but like, this remains true. Like you got the Pistons really need to see what they have in a primary ball handler in Jordan Bone, in Bruce Brown. Uh, you know, Luke Kennard is going to be back soon. Uh, Svi Mikhailuk is, is a guy who has definitely played well with the ball in his hands. And so, like, during this stretch where the team has explicitly said they are going to rebuild, it's like you need to see those guys with the ball in their hands. And Reggie is, uh, you know, Reggie's better than those guys with the ball in his hands. But, like, that's better is not necessarily what the Pistons need right now. The Pistons need... I know to see what Bruce Brown and Jordan Bone can do, uh, and so that is why the Detroit Pistons need to work out a buyout, something uh, with Reggie Jackson. They weren't able to unload him at the deadline. They weren't they weren't uh, inclined to unline uh, unload Derrick Rose at the deadline. So those, that's what that's what the Pistons got to do. Uh, there you have it. That's the BetOnline.ag take of the week. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% off welcome bonus at betonline.ag. All right, and we are back. Now, the next thing I want to talk about was Seku not doing so well lately. It's something that's of big concern and should be of big concern to uh, the team and fans. Um, there's a great piece by Ku Cahill 
in Detroit Bad Boys today, illustrating his poor play. And perhaps more importantly, the frustrations the coaching staff are having with his poor play. Uh, you know, it could just be the rookie wall. Um, while Seku did not enter the rotation on a consistent basis until January, he was playing in the G League. You know, he was playing, you know, 30 minutes a night in the G League, 20, 28 minutes a night in the G League before he entered the rotation on a consistent basis. And so it's not like he has not been playing basketball. He didn't, or it's not like he didn't play basketball for the first 30 games or so. But uh, yeah, the, the rookie wall comes comes for every guy. And so uh, we shouldn't be surprised by this. Uh, Matt Shook of Locked on Pistons, shout out to uh, Matt, Matt, mentioned on uh, the most, I think it was Tuesday's Locked on Pistons, that uh, it might not be a bad idea just to sit Seiku for a couple games, um, send him back to Grand Rapids to get into a rhythm. I think that uh, the All-Star break is coming at a 4-2. It's time for Seku, absolutely. So maybe because of the All-Star break, it becomes a little bit less uh, necessary to give him like a couple of days off since he'll have that. But uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention was that his struggles, like really what he was struggling with um, also showed what he needed to work on. Uh, even when he was, even when Seku was playing well, even when he was scoring like 15 points a night, it was keying off what other guys were doing. He was, you know, back cutting guys. He was shooting catch and shoot threes. He was getting out in transition. Um, and right now his self-creation is limited to attacking closeouts and running the break in transition and, you know, grab and goes, grab and goes in transition. But, you know, that is not uh, a sustainable half court offense. And it's not necessarily bad in and of itself. It's actually, uh, we've, I talked about this on the Detroit bad boys podcast with Ben a couple weeks back. It's good that Seku focuses on the things that he is good at right now. It is good that you don't see him do the thing that sometimes young players do where they dominate the ball and just try and score, uh, try and score off of like eight, 18 footers and, and fail and, and get pulled deservedly. So, um, you definitely see, you definitely want to see Seku work on his ball handling this summer. Um, so he can create his own shots. That'll be like how you, we determine how good he becomes as a professional. But, uh, you know, this going back, this points again to the problems the Pistons are having without Andre Drummond. There's nobody a team has to account for on defense. And so, you know, you those cracks and crevices that Seku was taking advantage of earlier you know, are less present, less noticeable. Uh, Seku got some open catch and shoot threes against Charlotte. Just none of them went down. He missed the airballed one, right? Like, uh, he's still keying. He's still playing the role. The Pistons are asking him to play. They're still, uh, I know a lot of you guys are frustrated about the ball, not being in Seku's hands enough or him not like dictating the action, but, uh, Clearly, they don't think he's quite ready for that. Um, he And that's not even really something he did a lot of in Grand Rapids. Um, is a lot of similar actions in Grand Rapids. A lot of... Uh, that's one thing I, we do like about Grand Rapids, right? They, they use these guys in the way that they're going to be used at the pro level. But it was a lot of attacking closeouts. And it was a lot of catch-and-shoot threes. And it was a lot of uh, grabbing going in transition. But in Grand Rapids, in the G League in general, you know, the... 
quality of play is worse. The quality of defense is worse. And, the and you know, to be perfectly honest, the Grand Rapid Drive are a really good G League team. Defenses had to account for, like, what guys like Lewis King and, and Jordan Bone were going to do on the perimeter. And so that, you know, th- that opened up those cracks and crevices that I just talked about. For, for the pro team, you know, for the NBA, for better athletes, for better defenders, um, they're not worried about a Jordan Bone level uh, perimeter threat. They're not worried about a Lewis King level perimeter threat. And so uh, those spaces that Seku gets to fill um, are, are now like taken advantage of. But since Seku is so used to keying off guys, and because of that, he's because of his limited uh, effectiveness, like th- those two things go hand in hand. And so I would not. Unless the Pistons drastically alter the way that Seku uh, is like it functions in the offense, unless they do decide to put the ball in his hands more and to have him attack as like a pick and roll creator, um, I don't necessarily think that uh, it's it's likely that we'll see like Seku like score like twenty points a, a night again, right? Even even the that was something that was striking, right? Like even during his career night against Boston. It was all transition and catch and shoot stuff. No, not a lot of ball handling, not a lot of perimeter, uh, not a lot of like dribble, dribble attacking, just uh, attacking closeouts. And so this kind of gets to an argument that Ku made in his piece about, you know, he got criticized, Seku got criticized by Dwayne Casey for his lack of energy and effort. Um, that's That was something that was a knock on Seku coming out of France. I had to school somebody in the comments of a uh, DVB about that. But uh, the, so this is not necessarily like, I guess, surprising combine, combine this with the fact that Seku hit the, we can say that he hit the rookie wall and like, maybe this was inevitable, but it does concern me. We've seen what this team looks like when it's led by a guy who uh, cannot who does not necessarily dictate his own offense and uh, is emotional in Andre Drummond. And while I was fine with that because of the talent level, a lot of people didn't like that. A lot of people like it when you play really hard all the time, understandably. Um, But, you know, uh, give me talent over uh, playing hard. I've talked about this in in the past, but uh, yeah, at the same time, like, I would would I absolutely prefer Seku play harder? Yes, I I would. I agree with Dwayne Casey, um, and so I think that the coaching staff is frustrated, but I think they're handling this correctly. I don't. They don't want to reward Seku's bad behavior, or not 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 like bad behavior, like he's a bad locker room influence, like bad on court behavior because he's not making an impact on the game. They don't want to, re- want to reward that by just giving him playoff time, uh, playing time. They are not making the playoffs. Woof, Freudian slip. My bad, y'all. <laughs> uh, they, they don't want to reward that by giving him playing time he has not earned. And so I am a proponent of the Dwayne Casey school of like make him earn it. But I understand why that'd be really frustrating at a time when you're like trying to prioritize the guy's development, right? And so. I think that the best way for Casey and say there to be a balance struck between Casey and Seku is to kind of do what they've been doing. If, if he's playing well, he plays like 30-ish, 28-ish minutes a night. If he's playing poorly, that number creeps down closer to 20, you know, in the 20, 22 range. 
And uh, if that means more time for guys like Thon Maker and Markeith Morris uh, on in the front line, like that, that's what that means. But again, like you, you have to make Seku earn it. And for what it's worth, uh, I seem to remember there being some frustration around uh, like similar playing time with Dwayne Casey and and Yellow's Valanciunas uh, with Toronto fans. I seem to remember that being a, a giant uh, bone of contention with them for for quite some time. And so, like, this is not out of character for Dwayne Casey. So, like, on both uh, from a Seku, like, energy and effort and rookie wall perspective and from a Dwayne Casey, like, I'm not going to reward this perspective, like, we should not be surprised about the way either one of these things is playing out. Have you ever seen an untucked button-down shirt? It looks bad. Why? Why does it look bad? Because it wasn't designed to be worn that way. Thankfully... There's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or your shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50-plus fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. New Year's resolutions kinda happened uh, January 1st. It is now later than that. You know, I don't know how well you guys have been keeping up with your resolution to exercise more. I've been really bad about that. So like the untucked shirts covering the little pouch that I gained and haven't quite lost yet. It's really nice. I'm, I'm very, very pleased. Big fan. With Untuck It, your shirts never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big. Again, like, helping me out in the uh, waste department, thankfully. And their website is really easy to use. They even have a full page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, now to someone who's been a little bit more effective, Christian Wood. You know, Christian Wood is really, uh, I was going to say floundered, but the, like the opposite of floundered. He's done really well <laughs> since the Andre Drummond trade. The offense is what it is. He's very, very good at what he does, and what he does is like just a just diverse enough set of skills to to be who he is. Is uh, He's also a guy who grab and goes in transition. Uh, he's a guy who can make spot up threes, which is very beneficial for a guy uh, at his size. He's very good at attacking bigs who jump out too far on closeouts. You know, big men close out with uh, generally like more. It's harder to close out as a big. You and their technique is usually worse. So Christian's more ably, he's more easily able to to attack those closeouts. He's also they've also done a good job of like getting him switches on the post. And letting him operate in kind of in the in the mid post area. You know, sometimes he belches up like a fifteen footer from the corner. Uh, he seems to like that, and uh, that's that's you know that's no longer a good NBA shot. But the offense you usually get out of getting him on a smaller guy in the post is him attacking the rim and using his like uh, extension to to finish and dunk, and that is good offense. And so you obviously there's not a lot of places where the Pistons have good offense right now, so you you want to take advantage of that as much as possible. And lastly, but certainly not least, is his use as a rim, as a rim runner. We've talked a little bit about how um, teams can take away his rim running ability, but you know he's still a he's still really good at it. It's still one of the things you want Christian Wood doing the most 
and so I'm glad the the Pistons are are using him uh, in that manner. What uh, I remain unsure about is what he's going to be positionally. The coaching staff appears to not really think that he is a center, which I understand because Dwayne Casey is a proponent of you are who you can guard and he struggles as a center. Um, You've seen him. He's a good rebounder. He's got that going for him. Um, We've seen he's skinny. We've seen bigger guys kind of move him into positions that they want to go. Even a guy like P.J. Washington in the uh, Hornets game, I was struck by how often P.J. Washington, not anyone's idea of like a big hulking center, was able to just kind of get his shoulder into Christian and moving him, move him into an advantageous position and, and finish over him. Like that's not what you want. You want your center to be solid and and knock it. You want your center to be the guy guys run into, not the guy that uh, guys move out of the way. But uh, if so, if his long term position isn't center, if it's a rim running four with a little bit of stretch, who also like is a crazy transition finner, finisher, like that's totally fine. But it makes me start to wonder about like the future construction of this team, like what kind of centers you want to put around that guy. You know, all of this is presuming that you know in a proper rebuild, the Pistons uh, find a way, find a home for Blake Griffin. You know, who knows what what that will entail? Um, and I don't think, well, you know, a Blake would line up had its moments earlier in the year. But if they don't think Blake, if they don't think Wood is the center, then that's two fours on the floor at the same time. And so I, I don't know how, how they'll feel about I don't know how they'll feel about that long term. Excuse me. Um, that's a question I hope, though, gets answered pretty soon. I hope that um, the Pistons start thinking about what kind of bigs they want to put next to Christian and if those bigs include Donta Hall, right? Dot Pistons, like, got to make a roster spot and uh, and bring up Donta Hall. We talked about the ways in which they could uh, make a roster spot in our sponsored content, but, uh, you know, there are other alternatives uh, open to them. It was pointed out to me on Twitter that the Pistons could just, like, cut Brandon Knight entirely and uh, sign Donta Hall to, like, a, a rest-of-the-year deal, and that would not take them into the luxury tax, and I believe that's true. And so, like, yeah, they could they could do that if worse comes to worse. Dude, they could do something similar with John Henson, who is a guy who has played really well for the Pistons, but um, would block some of those Donta Hall minutes, presumably, because they're both centers. Um, but, yeah, the, the Pistons got a way to – they have to find a way to see what they've got in Donta Hall. They, see, they have to find a way to see what they've got in all of these guys, you know? Bringing up Hall makes me – Think about the future, which is all we've really got in Detroit. Um, you look at this summer, the Pistons are projected to have eight guys on the roster, uh, barring any like trades or anything weird in between now and July 1st, which is entirely possible. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but barring, any, barring anything weird, they have, they'll have Derek Rose, Luke Kennard, Kyrie Thomas, Bruce Brown, Tony Snell, who is definitely going to take that player option. Svee Mikhailuk, Sekou Dumbuya, and Blake Griffin. So that's eight dudes. You need uh, 13 dudes to fill out a roster. Uh, first thing first, you have, probably have to re-sign Christian Wood. Um, you figure out what you want to do with Thon Maker. Second thing second. Um, Markeith Morris has a player option. I don't know if he would want to return. I don't. I think he likes it here. Uh, I think Detroit is his kind of speed, but I don't know how... 
Um, I don't know how valuable Markeith is uh, to this team, especially if he'd be taking minutes away from a guy like Adante Hall in the future. And so like you, maybe he wants to play elsewhere. Uh, he seems, I think he's played well enough that he can recuperate his current deal uh, on the open market, especially with like how slim pickings this, uh, this free agency in 2020 is going to go. And so, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Markeith comes back. Maybe he doesn't. Um, after, after Wood, uh, Thon and Markeith, you got to figure out what you're doing with your two way guys. That's Jordan bone and Lewis King. I would, I would almost expect them to, I would expect them to keep Lewis King, maybe sign him on a, a low money, uh, like make good deal. Um, you always need more wings in today's NBA. Lewis King has, he's impressed me in his, uh, in, in, in his NBA time. He has impressed me with how like not lost he looks. He looks, uh, like just another young wing trying to figure stuff out out there, but like not so, uh, blatantly horrific that he can't play, which was, a concern coming out of college. I remember Colswicker uh, when I had him on the Detroit Bad Boys podcast to ask about King. Uh, basically, just like laughed and said he had no feel, <laughs> and so I, I wondered about like how that would go. And you know, clearly other teams had some similar concerns. That's why King went undrafted. But that I think will prove to be a good find for Detroit, and uh, he will be under contract. Jordan Bone is a little bit trickier. Um, uh, the Pistons will have a bunch of point guards and shooting guards. They have a bunch of guards on the roster. They're keeping Derrick Rose. Um, the, I've talked about this a bunch, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, the, all the guys at the top of this year's draft that the Pistons should be interested in are backcourt uh, primary or secondary ball handlers. And so, like, I don't know what kind of space that leaves for Jordan Bone, to be very, perfectly honest with you. Bone has done... A very, very impressive job uh, with his time in the G League, but there are, to be perfectly honest, there are a lot of guys who really impress at the point guard position in the G League, and that doesn't necessarily mean it will translate, and uh, I don't know uh, if the Pistons, like, basically, it comes down to like this, like, if you think Bruce Brown plays some point guard, you think they keep Derrick Rose, and he plays a good number of point guards, they draft a point guard, and um, and and that's so that's three point guards right there. That's three guys that Jordan Bone like will not play, probably will not play in front of. Uh, you figure Luke Kennard gets some time at point guard. Uh, you figure they continue to use Sweet Mikhai Luke as like a secondary ball handler type guy. Um, so even that continues to like kind of block his pathway to the floor. Um, you know they expended more resources uh, than. Uh, they did on Jordan Bone than a, on a guy like Kyrie Thomas, and we haven't even seen what he's got yet. I think he is—he's making his way back, and it sounds like he will be back. Kyrie Thomas—he sounds like Kyrie Thomas will be back after the All Star break. But uh, but yeah, they they've invested more in in Kyrie Thomas than they have in Jordan Bone, and so they'll want to see what he has. And so it it would not surprise me if the team did not place a high priority on bringing back Jordan Bone. Um, and so we'll we'll see what that portends for him, um, but that uh, yeah that doesn't that doesn't look good for him as as well as he's played, you know. However, you know, so they filled all those roster spots. They've got you know Lewis King and uh, and Donta Hall and 
all the guys I listed. And so, you know, you still kind of need, when you're looking at what this team needs in the offseason, they still kind of need a point guard, and you hope that's the draft pick, or I hope that's the draft pick at least. I hope it's Killian Hayes. You're going to hear me talk a lot about Killian Hayes in the future of this podcast. But, uh, but yeah, I think I, th- I hope Killian Hayes fills that uh, developmental point guard slot. Um, but that also leaves them with a need for a, another big man uh, to, you know, press Thon in the rotation or keep Thon out of the rotation or just be a compliment to Thon. Um, the Wood Thon pairing has the, the, the thin towers. Good job, whoever came up with that. That was really good. That pairing has been interesting to me, but uh, and Thon has played well uh, for like the last like four or so weeks, surprisingly. But I remain dubious that Thon is a starting level NBA center for anything other than a really bad team, which the Pistons are right now. But I would not like to go into next season thinking that Thon Maker is going to be my starting center. So I would like to sign a starting center for preferably not as much money as they were going to spend on Andre Drummond. Um, and you need another wing. You just need more wings. Uh, that w- another wing would make Tony Snell uh, perhaps expendable for teams who were looking to grab some expiring money. Um, a wing would push guys like Sekou and Lewis King and Svi uh, to just like, in practice and, and to be better. And it's and uh, the Pistons have always sort of lacked size. And so, you know, at this time, I would like to just add as many six, seven, six, eight dudes to the team as I can. I believe that's the, you know, we're saying in Houston, that's the future of the NBA. It's like, why, why not try it here? Yeah. With that, with that said, um, I think that the, uh, so I got some free agent names that I think the Pistons should look at. Um, let's start with uh, the big men. Uh, the big men are kind of easier. Um, it is much easier to find a, a cheap big than it is to find like a cheap point guard, for example. Um, you look at a guy like Alex Lynn, who was a guy that was uh, placed into a lot of fake trades from Atlanta, who is now in, in Sacramento. Um, I don't know. I'm pretty sure Lynn is not in their long-term plans. He's shown himself to be a capable lower-level starting center in the NBA. and something that's So that's like a nice floor of what he would offer for a, a team like Detroit. Um Good pick and roll finisher, good rebounder. Had a stretch, uh, I believe, last season where he was shooting uh, corner threes, and that was freeing up uh, Trey Young in the Atlanta offense. And so that that would be good if he continues if he continued on that. But just like Alex, would be a nice, decent, like baseline starting center. Um, other guy I'm interested in is Nerlens Noel. I've uh, talked a little bit about this in the past, but uh, when I was fighting with some people over Steven Adams' value versus Andre Drummond's value, I was looking at Nerlens Noel's numbers, and they they were surprising. They were surprisingly good. Um, Noel is a guy who has classically kind of uh, not... He's been a good defender, but he's always had, like, mental lapses, and so that that is troubling. But, you know, he signed for the absolute... He signed for the minimum in OKC this year, and so... In my mind, he's still relatively young. You could absolutely sign that guy to like a three-year deal for half decent money, say like you know fifteen million dollars over three years, and that'd be a lot more money than I think he'd make in OKC. You give him the opportunity to start. You say like, hey, hey, if you can beat Don Maker, you can start. I think that's an that's a that's an appealing pitch for a guy like Nerlens Noel. Um, and so yeah, like I, I would be interested in uh, in Nerlens for the Pistons. Um, 
from the guards, it'd be DJ Augustine. I know uh, that is a guy that Vince Ellis uh, hinted that the Pistons front office was interested in on, on Twitter earlier last week, I believe. And that makes a lot of sense. Augustine, I believe, is hurt right now, but he's a very like veteran, solid presence. Um, n- not like he—he's better than Tim Frazier. Uh, he's older than Tim Frazier. He's also better, but in that same mold, uh, small guard who just kind of gets to the rim, pick and roll finisher, um, or pick and roll uh, ball handler. Nah, not like if and if you draft a Killian Hayes, like DJ Augustine is not going to block Killian Hayes from seeing uh, seeing the court. So that that I'd be fine with that, and uh, that if you you know add DJ Augustin and Killian Hayes and Derrick Rose, like you just shift, you shift over Bruce Brown, you end the Bruce Brown point guard experiment, uh, and shift him over to to combo guard, multiple ball handlers on the floor. What a concept! Uh, another guy that would kind of make sense in that same vein, uh, same small point guard vein would be Shabazz Napier. Um, Napier's having a you know half decent year. He was traded from Minnesota. Um, Two, I believe Atlanta and yeah, he's having a half decent year. Just a very solid veteran point guard managed to stick around, made himself a pretty good shooter. Be a fan of that. Uh, last but not least the, the wings, the wings are way trickier. You are not getting any half decent wings for cheap, uh, on the roster this summer. All the good wings are not in free agency this summer or max level guys. Like I, you know, I didn't really talk about paying Fred Van Fleet in the point guard section because I don't really want to pay Fred Van Fleet what I think he's going to be worth. You know, same thing for a guy like, uh, despite the fact that the Pistons have max space, max uh, cap space, it'll be the similar stories for guys like Otto Porter Jr. if he opts out of his player option and Gordon Hayward if he opts out of his player option. Like, I don't, that's not where the Pistons, you know, want to be. No, no shortcuts. And so on the wing, I think some possible fits there would be uh, Tabo Cephalosha. Tabo's in Houston right now. That'd be a really good that'd be a really good veteran leader. A really good uh a really good catch and shoot three point shooter. Um a guy who has uh, seen it all and seen it all and uh been through a lot. Uh would be a, a very instructive like defensive player. He he used to be quite good defensively. And so his his competition and effort level I think would be would be good to have on the roster. Um, on that end, another uh, last guy, last but not least, is <laughs> Josh Jackson, which I know should not be a surprise to anyone who has uh, followed me on Twitter. I've been trying to get Josh Jackson home to Detroit for quite some time now, but uh, his fourth year option was already declined. Um, he's been playing the bulk of the season in the G League for the Memphis Hustle. And while I don't think we'll ever see the full promise he offered after he was a top five pick, a couple of years back. I do think that uh, he's a very skilled, uh, you know, again, very skilled six, seven, six, eight, uh, capable catch and shoot player um, where he gets himself in trouble is trying to do too much with the ball. Um, you are, you are glad Seku like doesn't play like Josh Jackson. Um, when we were talking about Seku earlier, but if you could rein Josh in, have him take more catch and shoot threes have him focus a lot on uh, his playmaking, which is one of like his his best uh, attributes. Um, but you don't want him like taking those floaters, those weird weird angle floaters. He's so very fond of, um, and and getting him into a system where he would be given uh, an opportunity to recoup some of the value that he's already lost 
by you know being in the G League for a couple of years. Uh, we we've seen Casey handle uh, another guy in Christian Wood who had like professionalism struggles. Uh, we've seen him handle uh, and like we've seen how betting on the talent and betting on Casey to get through to those guys has you know been beneficial in the case of Christian Wood. Uh, if Casey could do that again in the case of Josh Jackson, like that would be extremely beneficial. That would give you a very valuable player. That would be a really good uh, idea. So that that is why I remain interested in Josh Jackson moving forward. But yeah, that's that's what the but like you you see the names I listed and like it's not going to be a very sexy or very exciting uh, off season for the Detroit Pistons. But you know that that's what a rebuild is. Uh, that's what a rebuild is. Trying to get young guys in the door trying to get better, um, trying to uh, sustain some forward momentum, trying to get, uh, you know, maybe moving forward, get some second-round picks, uh, try to get more young guys in the door. And uh, you hit on one of those, one or two of those guys. You see what you have in a Sekou Dumbuya. You see what you have in a Luke Kennard. You see what you get in this year's first-round draft. And you try to hit escape velocity, you know. That's kind of what, <laughs> or what, a, what a rebuild is. Uh, the Pistons need a, a size and skill infusion. And so, like, that's what they're going to be looking for this offseason. All right, thanks for listening. Or you can go to uh, betonline.ag for all your uh, sportsbook needs. You can follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. I do another podcast, the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. You can follow that or you can find that podcast where on whatever device, whatever application you're using to listen to this podcast, you can find the other one. You can find my written work such that it exists on DetroitBadBoys.com. This has been Pistons versus Everybody, and we will talk to y'all next week.